Just before we get started, I want to share with you one of our sponsors and a secret to our success. I don't know about you, but I got into commercial property to build a more passive income. But how do you manage multiple clients and contracts in multiple buildings without spending all of your time on endless spreadsheets? After a lot of research, we use Office R&D, the best flexible workspace software to manage our CMO buildings, co-working and flexspace. For starters, the automated bill run saves hours of work and means we don't miss any revenue. Plus, I can get many reports on the performance of each product and location. But here's the real clincher. We all need to focus on customers more and our clients can now use our app to access buildings, book meeting rooms, review their invoices. And there's a great feature where they can interact with our member community. And this is all managed from within the Office R&D platform. There's a partner link in the show notes so you can book a demo. Take a look, see how the system can improve your operations and customer experience. Right, make yourself comfortable. Let's get on with today's show. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. This show is all about commercial property investing for the private investor. Whether you're just getting started or scaling up your portfolio, through interviews, tips and lessons learned along the way, we want to give you the inspiration, knowledge and confidence to enjoy this great cash flowing strategy. Hi there, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're well and making some great progress. In this episode today, I'm really excited to talk to you about the Flexspace sector and some opportunities that I see that are coming for those of us in Flexspace, particularly service space, and how the current market is actually starting to create opportunity for us. So I'm going to go into that in a minute. I just wanted to quickly talk to you about what we're up to. So we're busy negotiating on a lease right now which may sound like a normal thing to do, but it's for our operating business to go in as a tenant into a property that we don't own. So a different landlord altogether. Now, sometimes we're both, but not this time. We've agreed some heads of terms, so it's just starting to go to the lawyers, but this will be rent to rent, basically. And it's just under two and a half thousand square feet, which is a standalone unit would be a bit small, but we'll be incorporating it into an existing offering, a site we have is right next door and I'm quite excited by the possibilities of this one and how it completes or complements our current offering on that site. As this one develops I'll keep you posted but the numbers are looking pretty good and it's kind of funny being on the other side of the table for this and hopefully we've covered off a few of the nuances that you have in leases because we've got experience of doing that in those heads of terms and it's really important of course to try and get as much of the challenging things dealt with in the heads of terms rather than when you start paying lawyers. Now, just as a reminder what heads of terms are, this is a a non-binding agreement between parties. So the parties might be um, a landlord and a tenant, might be a seller and a buyer, and they're written up by generally by the agent, the letting agent, the, the selling agent, whatever, And it's between the two parties, a few emails back and forth, and then drawn up as a heads of terms of here are the parameters we're going to progress now to the lawyer stage. And that's when it gets handed over, the clock gets struck, and the lawyers start charging money. And I was reminded recently by someone joining our mastermind that I've done a few episodes where the jargon is starting to creep back in. Hence why I'm just reminding those of you who haven't heard or have heard before, sorry, what the heads of terms actually are. And using abbreviations and all the lovely acronyms in our sector, or of course any sector, does help speed up conversations. But it also alienates others and people who are newer to the field. So please, you have my permission to call me out if I use them too much. 
and I make no apology ahead of time if you get bored of me explaining things more than once. Anyway, we've been downloaded in loads of countries now around the world, so I need to explain some of the peculiarities of our market and other markets, if I understand them, so that it makes sense to everyone. Right then. Let me tell you why I'm so excited about the flex space sector right now, particularly those of us who are providing service space, space that includes in the agreement utilities. And that's kind of important. So in a normal lease, you generally don't have any expenditure on the day to day. That's handed on to the tenant and they look after that. But in a service space, or flexible spaces, sometimes in managed spaces, there's an element, if not all, of the utilities included. So the client who moves into the space may have a license agreement or a license to occupy the contract. And that will have in it provision of heating, lighting, electric, sometimes even internet, water, insurance, all these sort of things. So the customer has a fixed amount that, that is charged every month. Now, there's obviously a lot of, I'm going to say, unpleasant chat in the media, just too much chat in the media about the cost of living crisis and how we'll all need saving. Now, granted, some targeted help is absolutely required, but equally, we have to put more of our energy into figuring out what we can do about it rather than complaining about it. And in all periods of choppiness, there is opportunity. So I believe Flexbase is going to prosper during this cost of living crisis. I think there's a silver lining here for commercial property investors. And we just have to lean into it. And there's two changes that I think are going on right now that we need to be aware of. And I want to talk about those right now. So firstly, let me ask you a question. What do businesses hate? What do business owners hate? Uncertainty. Lots of other things, of course, but uncertainty when you don't know how to plan for things because nothing is written in stone. And at the moment, the only certainty, the paralyzing certainty, is that prices are going to continue rising for the foreseeable future. At least that's the general noise out there. I'm not an economist, but I agree they probably are going to continue up for a bit. What they're going to do after the peak, um, let's see. But the opportunity is there for us to really promote fixed costs, because that, that's what we offer. Flexbase providers can focus their marketing message on fixed costs in a time of real uncertainty. You can give customers a full year or six months, whatever it is, cost um, agreement upfront, including all the utilities. Now, whoa, hold on a minute. To some listening, that might sound insane. <laughs> all my costs are going up. I just want to lease out spaces and the fluctuations to be taken care of by the tenant. I don't want anything to do with all these utilities. But is that what new customers want? We have ways to mitigate the risks and to basically bake that pricing into the cake at the starting point. Now, I'm not talking about existing customers. There are other things in license agreements to allow you to fluctuate your pricing based on what utilities and basic costs are going up by, effectively by inflation. Certainly, if you use our license agreement, which is freely available to our students, that, in, that license has in it a provision for inflationary increases, which take every license after 12 months up to whatever the new rate would be based on inflation. Now, that is a 12-month period, but of course, 
not everybody started 12 months ago, nor everybody started last month or last week. So as the prices have gone up, what you need to do is bake that increase, that perceived increase into your price point there and then. So we need to position ourselves correctly, right? So our marketing message is that we've got fixed rates for energy and potentially if we fixed our borrowing costs, that is something that, sorry, rephrase that. We have fixed rates for energy that we can promote. And if we fix those ourselves and potentially our borrowing, then we've set ourselves in the right place. Now, I appreciate that for energy right now, some company providers are not even fixing rates. So I appreciate that is a moving target. But the silver lining, focus in on what you can offer customers, that certainty. Think about it from your own perspective. Wouldn't you like to know exactly what your household costs are going to be over the next 12 months? It's the same for business owners. It's the same for us, right? But we have to make hay. Secondly, here's another change in market demand for workspace that I think is going to have a really big impact over the next few months and year or so. The work from home scenario. I think there's going to be some pushback and we're already starting to see it. From those who are working at home, who realise that their bills are going up and they'd rather be somewhere else <laughs> with somebody else paying for that energy cost. And if you're in an office with a large office with just one or two employees, then obviously those costs are really going to start putting a pinch. But if those employees have gone home and they're in a scenario where their heating is on, the lighting is on during the day in the house when it wouldn't ordinarily have been in the past, Who's paying it? Who's picking up the tab? Now, there might be some contribution from the employer, not a direct one, I suspect, because of the complications around tax, but there, need, there, is a, there is a common ground in the middle there where if you have, let's say, a, work, a co-working space, a shared space, where we're all paying for the costs between us, like a gym membership, then it means that we can get access to a bigger space, share the energy costs, etc., and of course, it's a social aspect. There's meeting other people. But for those that are working from right now and are saying, right, I, I really need to, I want to get out of the house. If you're not going to help me with the bills, I need to get out of the house and start working from another environment. But the boss of the business might have actually reduced the office size so that not everybody can come back. Or they may have removed the office requirement altogether. So there's no alternative for those remote workers to either get back into the office or even on a part-time basis. So the providers, the business owners, have to start looking at two alternatives. One, do we get new office space to bring people back in? Although habits have changed and that might be difficult, particularly for workers that are further afield, because some have moved further afield because they felt they could work remotely. Or do we pay those remote workers to then use local hybrid flex space providers? And that, I think, is going to continue growing. We've witnessed that already. And there is definitely a, a movement or an inquiry level now where we're getting people asking about fixed costs and for being around other people <laughs> because they've been working from home for a while and now just want some company. So I think those two things together are really going to start making a difference. And eventually, the majority of people want to be around other people, don't they? We're all social creatures. Even if you're feeling really grumpy listening to this right now, it's kind of nice sometimes to be around other people, isn't it? And anecdotally, 
when I met some industry colleagues uh, last week, in fact, there was a few things we discussed, and the majority of them were from nationals, national brands. And they reflected that the London city locations have become a lot more busy over the last two months. Previously, London was struggling to get back to pre-pandemic levels. The regional locations were doing very well, which I think is partly to do with remote working and maybe more hybrid working. But this this trend in London suggests to me that there are people wanting to come in and come out of home. Yes, there'll be some employers pushing them, but I think there are more wanting to get back into that social environment and there'll be some definitely want to get into an environment where they're not paying all the bills. So make sure you position your marketing message around these new influences on, on I guess, market choices. So the first thing is fixed costs for space and memberships, if that's the way you sell it, do you sell it as memberships? Those costs are definitely a benefit to new customers. Just make sure you bake in the prices. The second one was the requirement for local flexible working environment. For those who have been working from home and now have no office to go to, even if they want it. Of course, on the back of that, some businesses will now need to open up new offices. But I do think they will increasingly want more dynamic space or hybrid space to give their staff an experience when they come into work. <laughs> a good experience <laughs> of the space. They want to work there. They're productive in that environment. And of course, technology and the working from home phenomena have changed habits and made it more interesting in the way that we can divide up how workspace works. So as an example, somebody who's been working from home but now wants to come back into the office where they might have been working at a fixed desk for a long time, now they can come back into an office where perhaps they don't have a fixed desk. Maybe they have a shared desk, but they'll have more lounge area, telephone booths, Wi-Fi, of course, and all the different things that allow you to move around the space better, book out different parts of the space, be more social, because not everybody's going to go back to the office five days a week. There will be those that go back for two or three days and these new offices that the businesses are going to require um, need to be just that little bit more dynamic. Now, I'm not saying we need to go out and invest in loads of furniture and lots of lovely fancy stuff to make that environment for them, but we have to be cognizant of that when we're designing out our spaces, where we're putting electrics, where we're putting uh, our sockets, provisions, the type of partitioning we're using, and if you're doing service space, or flexible space is providing bigger and bigger environments where they're shared. So their office may be relatively small, but they're taking up the provision that you're giving for shared space, that gym membership scenario, where people can come in and use the coffee area between them, they can use the lounge area between them, they can use some quiet meeting and nooks and crannies between them, shared, so you're not paying for it in your own office space as a client. What you're doing is you're actually getting access to it as a membership or as part of the offer for the office you've just rented. So in that scenario, you could attract businesses who want to give that experience to the customers I was talking about, that dynamic space, that hybrid offer, by creating it as a communal space in the centre of your building or wherever makes sense, although it's definitely important that everybody can access it. And that way you will attract some of these businesses that are looking to go back to the office but not as they were before. So I think there's lots of opportunity for flex space now. I really do. 
And we really need to be alert to that. Our current sites that are complete are all nearly 100% full. It's down to a lot of work from the team. It's down to our, I guess, our great customer base that we've had for a long time, but also reflecting that some of the market trends are changing out there and we're just adapting to it. And I think if you're looking at getting into commercial space, you really need to think about flex space, possibly even service space, because the dynamics in the market are changing and the demands are changing and having something that is more vanilla is not necessarily going to cut it anymore. I hope that's served as food for thought. I'm not saying don't go and do normal leasing, but just think about how the dynamics are changing in what businesses are looking for and how you can help solve those problems. So thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to check out the Facebook page. So that's the usual W's, facebook.com forward slash commercial property investor. When you get in there, click on, um, there'll be join group, there'll be a group invite thing. Click on the group and that's really where most of the chat goes on. And in there, pretty much everybody, at least if we filtered it right, is either involved in commercial property or is interested in becoming involved in commercial property. So we try and regulate the conversation so it's not just general rubbish going on in there that it is specific to commercial because I know there's so many choices for Facebook groups out there, right? We're all members of loads of them. So we're trying to create this one so that it's a value. And if you want to know any more about what we can do to help you with understanding perhaps your local market and the opportunity in commercial property investing, then check out our website, commercialpropertyinvestor.co.uk. Details, of course, will be in the show notes. So it's been a short episode today. But I hope that's really helped. I, I just wanted to get that out to you that things are changing and there is opportunity for all of us. Look forward to speaking to you again very soon. Make sure you're out there. Get in the swim. Hi there. I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you, will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast? And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app, Pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them. Hi there, I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you, will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast? And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes 
and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.